Good morning. We're going through uh, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 this morning. Uh, it's on giving. Chapter 8 and 9 are all about giving. And this is a, an introductory chapter to chapter 9 where he actually uh, talks about collecting the gift from the Corinthians. Uh, I wanted to have you open your Bibles up to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and just stay there for a little while. Um, I'm going to go over an introduction of what uh, led Paul to collect this gift from the Corinthians. Let's see. So the, uh, the gift was for the, the saints who were in Jerusalem. Uh, and the disciples, they set out to provide a relief gift for the, the poor saints who were in that city of Jerusalem. And there were, there were many factors that led to them becoming poor. Um, first of all, there were people from all over the world who came uh, at the day of Pentecost and were saved. And they, there were travelers uh, from all over, and they were settling in this new city, and they formed this new church uh, in Jerusalem. And it was growing more and more each day. And uh, since they were travelers, they left all that they had, and they stayed in Jerusalem, so they lost their jobs and all their finances that they might have had back home and their livelihood. Um, it says in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 45, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So each, each day there were just massive amounts of people getting saved and they stayed in this church, uh, this area as the church grew daily. And they shared all their possessions between each other. You know, it was equality between everybody. It was whatever I have is yours, whatever you have is mine, let's share it for, um, for common good. Secondly, uh, the people who were in that area, um, the, the Jews in particular, um, uh, would have been ostracized socially and economically. They would have lost their jobs and their families um, and their friends. Any financial, financial support that they would have had would be gone out the window. Um, people would have um, abandoned them as you know, a relative. They wouldn't uh, want to support them anymore. Um, so all their financial needs would be so great and they wouldn't have any support. And there was also a, a severe famine in the world at this time. Um, Acts eleven twenty seven to 30 says, And in those days the prophets, uh, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them, named, Ag named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there, were, that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send a relief uh, to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And furthermore, the, uh, so there was a famine and there was also severe taxation in that area. There was the Roman taxation and the Jewish taxation. So these, these poor saints that were in Jerusalem were... Uh, in great need of um, finances and support from other uh, people in the area. So what Paul did is he decided to uh, send a group 
um, himself included, um, occasionally to uh, gather responsible and dependable men to collect an offering for the church in Jerusalem um, and the poor saints who had given all that they had for the sake of the gospel and so that the Gentiles, um, the Corinthians, and other churches in the areas uh, would hear the gospel and be saved. Um, and it's only right that since they receive spiritual blessings from those in Jerusalem that they can give a little portion of their financial and material possessions when those in Jerusalem had such a great need. Romans 15, 25 to 27 says, But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia uh, to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, uh, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual blessings, uh, their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. So leading up to this, Paul has already given them a notice way in advance in 1 Corinthians 16. Um, he's given them a notice about a year ago saying, I'm going to collect this gift. Make sure you have it ready for us when we come. Um, and just set aside amounts each week so that um, you'll be prepared to give a gift to those in Jerusalem. It says in 1 Corinthians 16, 1-4, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must, also, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each, of, each one of you lay aside uh, lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And when I come, whoever, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to, to Jerusalem. For if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. And also when you use, uh, by giving to those in Jerusalem, the Gentiles and all the churches, um, the Corinthians, the Macedonians, and others would be really saying, you know, uh, the, the middle wall that's been dividing Jews and Gentiles is no more. There's, there's no Jew or Gentile. We're all one body of Christ. We all love one another. And by giving, they would be recognizing in a very practical manner that uh, they, we are one body now and we love each other. And even though we might not see the brothers in Jerusalem, we still love them dearly and we're willing to give to them. So let's uh, start our reading of chapter 8. We'll start in verse 1. Uh, we'll be reading the entire chapter up to chapter, after, uh, verse 24. So chapter 8, verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive uh, the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus, that as he had begun, that he would, so he would com also complete this grace uh, in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, 
But I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty uh, might become rich. You might become rich. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now uh, you must also complete the doing of it. That there was, that as there is a readiness to desire it, so there may also be a completion out of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what one does not have. For I do not mean that others should be uh, eased and you burdened, but by inequality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their, that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God who put the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not only that, but who is also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself and to show your ready mind, avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift, which is administered by us, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with him the brother whom you have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if the brethren are inquired, inquired about, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. So we see in uh, verses, the first couple of verses, verse 1 through uh, 6, uh, we see that Paul uses the Macedonians as an example to live up to. It says in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. The Macedonian churches, they gave a really great gift um, towards the saints in Jerusalem. And it's, it's God's grace for such an opportunity to give like this. Um, when you realize the grace of God and how much God loves you, it compels you to give that much more. And we, we love because he first loved us. So therefore, to give financially to the Lord, it's not a burden to us. The Macedonian churches were following after Christ's example of giving. Um, Paul says earlier in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. He's using the... Uh, the the Macedonians were imitating Christ, and he's telling the Corinthians, imitate the Macedonians just as they are imitating Christ. So what did 
the Macedonians do that made them such a great example to follow after? How were they following after Christ's example of giving? It says in verse 2, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. You know, they, despite these great trials that they were going through, despite their great poverty that they had, uh, they rose to the occasion and they gave. They saw the opportunity and they took advantage of it. And not only that, but their gift was out of the abundance of their joy. They were so happy and thrilled to give that they were just overflowing with joy, uh, spilling over with just recognizing the opportunity to give. And the joy that they had in Christ was so great that it was not a burden to give. Uh, It wasn't uh, a burden to them. They didn't give reluctantly or grudgingly. Uh, Paul didn't have to you know, poke and prod them and say, you know, you better give or else. Um, he didn't have to compel them or even guilt trip them. It was out of love and the generosity of their hearts when they realized how much Christ loved them that they gave to those in Jerusalem. From a, a worldly standpoint, it's, it's reasonable to us to assume that because they had you know, great trials in their lives and that because they had such poverty that, you know, they had all the reason in the world not to give. Um, And often I make the same excuse and, um, you know, this isn't the case though with them. They, They followed after Christ's example and they were freely willing to give to those in need. When, it's when you realize just how much Christ loves you, that's when you give all the more freely when you realize that he loves you so much that he gave everything, even his own life on the cross for you, it's so much easier to give with joy out of the uh, gratitude from your heart because you, you realize how much he loved you and therefore you love him. Verse 3 says, For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. Paul's basically saying, you know, we expected, you know, we we knew that they were poor and we expected that they would give, but we didn't expect that they would give very much because of their poverty. Um, But, you know, we expect something reasonable, maybe, you know, a couple dollars here and there. But Paul's saying, you know, we were blown away by how generous they were. They were so generous to us. They, they, They realized the love of God and they gave generously. It was beyond their ability. They couldn't they were really hurting financially because of their giving. Um, and they didn't give grudgingly. The key here is that they, they gave willingly. There was a willingness on the Macedonians' part. And they gave sacrificially. They saw that there was this great need in Jerusalem, that these saints were so poor and were under great trial and were even more poor than themselves and they gave to them freely. They were willing to give. Um, and because of the distance, they probably might never meet them, but they, they knew that we're one body of Christ and we're gonna uh, prove that we love our neighbor as ourself. This is what it looks like in practice to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, verse, verse four says, uh, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. 
you know, knowing that the Macedonian saints were very poor and going through severe trials, um, you know, it might have gone through Paul's head, you know, if, you know, if, when they give me a, a gift and it's generous, I, I don't know if I should take it. You know, I don't want to burden them. Um, this is me just, you know, assuming. But that could have gone through his head. Um, but that's not the case with the uh, verse 4. It says, you know, that they urged Paul to take the gift um, to help the saints in Jerusalem. They wouldn't take no for an answer in this. Um, and we see also that they were first willing to give, but also that they then took action and then they actually gave. So there was a completion of their gift. Uh, it wasn't just a, a willing mind, but they, they actually took action and then they gave. Uh, verse, verse 5 says, And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Uh, Paul, Paul is saying, you know, we, we expected that the Macedonians would give a gift to those in Jerusalem. Uh, but they, they just did so much more than just give a great gift to us, uh, to them. They first decided to give themselves to the Lord. They were giving their hearts to the Lord first. Uh, and they were saying, you know, Lord, we know that you've given us everything. All these possessions are yours anyways. And we're just um, holding on to them for you. And so it's not a burden for us to give uh, to the, those in Jerusalem. Um, they made God the priority in their lives. Their priority was to give God control of their possessions, since they're his anyways. Um, and then wherever God wants them to give, then it's not a matter, it's not a burden to them. They just gave freely. We must be responsible stewards of what God's given us. When, when you realize this, it's not a, it was just a matter of where God wants you to give uh, to. The, the Lord has blessed us with material blessings and he's given us spiritual blessings, um, and he's given us eternal securities that are in, in heaven. Um, but more importantly, he's given us himself. He's given us uh, his life on the cross. Christ wants your heart, first and foremost. And then he wants you to obey in this grace of giving. And you might, you might say to yourselves, and I say the same things, you know, well, I don't, I don't give financially. I just, I give my time to the church. Um, isn't, you know, I, I give myself to the church. Isn't that enough? Um, but he wants us to trust and obey him. He wants us to first give, us, give, give him our hearts and then our resources to him. And you might say, okay, well, I don't, I don't serve the Lord, but I can write a check pretty well. Um, but he wants your heart. He doesn't just want your money. He wants the right intentions behind it. Um, he wants to be the Lord of all of your life, not just part of it. So I want to encourage you all to have faithfulness in your giving. Has the Lord ever laid it upon your heart to, to give and then you hesitated in your giving? I know this happens all the time with me. You know, I'll be driving and, oh, I forgot my checkbook. I forgot this or that, you know, 
I wanted to give Saturday night, and, and then Sunday morning came around and I forgot. Or I wanted to give to somebody throughout the week and then I forgot. And, or I hesitated and I, uh, I delayed and then I didn't give. Um, or, you know, I'll remember next week. Um, but no, uh, it says, you know, put some money aside each week. And with every paycheck, um, Paul said, you know, in, sec in 1 Corinthians 16, to lay aside money each week for the collection. And be faithful in your giving. Be like the Macedonians who were first willing to give, and then they took action and were faithful in their giving. It's interesting when you're preparing for a sermon, uh, the opportunities that come up um, that the Lord places in your life. Um, when I was uh, preparing for the sermon, I went to Starbucks um, across from the ice creamery in Castro Valley. And uh, I went into work real quick on my day off and just talked about uh, my hours um, real quick with my boss. And the Lord answered a prayer there, and he provided for me, giving me more hours at work. And on my way out, uh, I was talking to one of my coworkers, and um, I kind of brushed him off. I was just trying to get out of there, go back and be spiritual and do my sermon and all that. Um, and uh, he, my, my coworker said to me, you know, you know he, he was just you know, giving me a, a fist bump and said, you know, can you get me a, an iced tea from Starbucks, you know? I'm, I'm having a really bad day. And I, was, I, I hesitated. And earlier in the week, I had you know, asked the Lord, you know, if there's any opportunity for me to give, I'm willing to give. Just give me the opportunity. You know, put it right before my eyes. And when I see it, I'll give. Um, so when my, my coworker asked me, you know, can you get me an iced tea? I'm having a bad day. I hesitated. I brushed him off like, I don't have time. I have to go do my sermon, you know. <laughs> And so I went back to Starbucks, and five minutes into preparing for my sermon, I, <laughs> I felt really guilty. I was like, well, I did tell the Lord that I was willing to give. And so I packed up, I got him the iced tea, walked back over, and he told me, you made my day. On, on Friday, this, this is on Monday when I talked to him, on Friday, my grandmother had a stroke, and she's in the hospital in critical condition, and I'm having a terrible day right now. I'm so stressed out, and I don't know where to look, where to turn, um, but I know that you're a Christian, um, and I know that you pray to God, and he answers your prayers, and I don't really know what that means, but can you pray for me? And um, I did. I, sent, um, I prayed for him, and I, I, I sent an email or a message to all the people from the Galilee. I told them, you know, there's 38 people um, I told the message, and they're praying for you as well. And um, thankfully, on Thursday, he, he sent me a message saying that he's doing much better. His grandmother is in much better health. Um, and that he has such great respect for me because of um, taking that small uh, time to spend 2 or $3 um, to get him the iced tea, to make him feel better. And then to, the Lord really opened that as an opportunity um, for in the future to share the gospel with him. Um, I'm, I'm still waiting to um, actually do that. But um, for 2 or $3, I was willing to give. I hesitated, and then I actually gave, and the Lord blessed it enormously. Um, 
And you can't really put a price on an opportunity like that. For only two or three dollars, um, God can do pretty amazing things. Uh, he puts people in the right area at the right time. Uh, and I just want to encourage you that if you've ever hesitated to give, then Lord, just you know, put it on your heart to, to give. And the Lord will do amazing things. And you'll, you'll look back and you'll, you'll have a, a big smile on your face for sure. Verse, uh, verse 6 says, So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. We have told Titus to return. Uh, he's, he's saying, you know, we told Titus, um, go and return and collect the gift. Um, and, you know, you also had this great opportunity to give to the saints in Jerusalem uh, who are suffering, it's God's grace that you have an opportunity like this. Um, it's Titus, he had the willingness to go and collect, and then he actually took action and he went. So he's another example um, of someone who's willing and then takes action. Verse 7 says, But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Paul's, Paul's telling them, you know, we, we know that you do everything really well. Um, the Corinthians had great faith. They um, were speaking in tongues. They were able to understand the doctrine of the gospel Paul taught them. In the last chapter, we saw how repentant they were and how passionate they were in wanting to pursue God and show their love to Paul and the others with him. And these are all really great things, but there's more to that than the, uh, in the Christian life. We are to give also. We are to give to the Lord out of, out of just, you know, our joy and excitement and anticipation for how he's going to bless others um, as we give. And in verse 8, he's saying, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. You know, he's, he's saying, like, I'm not, I'm not ordering you to give. I'm not saying you have to give, you must give. But he's saying, I want to see, do you love the saints in Jerusalem like, um, like these other churches love them? How does your love compare to them? Paul wants to see that they're willing to give. And he's using the Macedonians as an example to live up to. You know, there's, here at Calvary, there's no one pressuring you on Sunday morning to give in the offering. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pressure you personally um, to give. But it should be out of the generosity of your own heart. And when, when you realize how much God loved you and how much he gave to you, it's not a burden to then give back to him a small portion of what he's given to you. It should really stir your heart to worship uh, him as you give back to him. So I want to challenge you. Do you give to the Lord like the Macedonians gave? Do you give despite poverty and great trials in your life? We have a, another example, uh, arguably the, the best example, and it's our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, he was the greatest example of giving. Verse 9 says, 
For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Our Lord Jesus Christ is our example. He had so much and he became so poor so that you through his poverty become spiritually rich and have blessings eternally. The, the gospel is a story of generosity. This is what the Christian life is all about. It's living generously in your day-to-day life. What was it that made Jesus Christ so rich? Well, he was in heaven. He had all this heavenly wealth where there's joy and peace, constant worship and fellowship um, with angels and with uh, God. And so he was, he was really rich in those things. And then he became poor. Well, how poor was he? Well, he was, he was born with a flesh of a man. He lived in a world that was full of sin and corruption, born in a manger, which is really just a feeding trough for the animals in a barn. And he, he worked as a carpenter, rode on a donkey that was borrowed. He had nowhere to lay his head. He was always traveling without a, consi- a consistent home. He died stretched out on a cross, and he was even buried in a tomb that was borrowed. Philippians 2, 7 through 8 says this very well. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You know, he, he really gave everything to you. He gave everything for you so that um, you could have eternal life with him because he loved you so much. We see the, the best, uh, most popular verse in the Bible. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, Christ Christ gave up his life for you. He was enduring the greatest trial of affliction ever, and that was the cross. And yet, he gave out of the abundance of his joy. He was more than willing to give. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He was very, very poor on this earth and gave up his life so that you could receive eternal life and have spiritual riches and blessings. Therefore, we should also give as a response, as an act of worship. The love of Christ is what compels us to give. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should not live, uh, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. To live the Christian life is to, to live a generous life. 
to others. It's to recognize how generous Christ was to us and then be generous towards others with the same generosity. It should drive us to become more generous. And as we sang earlier in the hymn this morning, it says, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Verse, verse 10 says, And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you must also complete the doing of it. That as there is a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. Paul's telling the Corinthians, you know, you said a year ago that you were willing to give. Uh, you were willing to give money for the cause of these poor saints in Jerusalem. And since you said you were willing, we want to see that you actually give. Um, we, want to say, we want to see that you are true to your word um, and that you complete the giving of it. You know, so often we might make like a New Year's resolution uh, where we say, I'm, I'm going to be more generous. I'm going to improve in this area and be more like Christ. Uh, or even at the beginning of a week, we might say, you know, I'm willing to give in this area. Um, have you made a resolution like that where you're, you say you're willing to give and be more faithful uh, giving to God? Um, do, do you have a willingness and a readiness to give? Well, I challenge you, if you've ever felt that willingness to give, then, then just give. That's, that's all there is to it. Take action and give out of worship to God. If you say in your heart that you're going to give, then stay true to your word. Matthew 5.37 says, But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Verse 12 says that, For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, and not according to what he does not have. The issue that Paul is really getting down to is the issue of the heart. It's not a matter of, you know, how much they're giving, how little or how much. It's a matter of where is their heart? Do they have a strong desire to give out of love? Um, and their gift is accepted based on what their heart is, not according to how much they're giving. You know the story of the, the poor widow who gave very little financially, but she gave everything she had. Uh, it says in Mark 12, 43 and 44, So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who had given to the treasury. So they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. And you know, I've, I've often thought to myself many times, you know, well, I'll save up money uh, so that in the future I can give an even bigger gift. Um, I know that in reality, though, I'm just postponing my giving. And I don't really plan on giving, and I'm just creating excuses to delay. I'd really rather spend my money on myself and be selfish 
than to give it to the Lord. After all, you know, it's, it's fun to spend money on myself and, um, and not spend it on the Lord. Um, and I often don't have the heart to give uh, to the Lord because I'm selfish. And if I really trusted fully that God would provide, then I'd give him everything. Um, I don't trust God the way that I should in this area. But I've learned just this week that in giving two to three dollars that I can trust God for everything. Remember the story of my coworker. It's, it's really fun to live day by day trusting in God um, to provide everything for you. Um, you know, I didn't get back my three dollars and I don't really care um, because I got something that was much more valuable. It's an opportunity to share the gospel and if he gets saved out of me spending two or three dollars, um, you know, down the road, then that's the best two or three dollars I've ever invested in my life. Um, and then if he then becomes an evangelist and shares the gospel with others, it's a seed that's planted that you can't, you can't even imagine what kind of blessing that will come out of, you know. So I was, I was willing to give, and even though I hesitated at first, I still gave. And the Lord was gracious to bless that giving. And it, it drew me closer to the Lord because of this. Um, I know that God can be trusted. God is faithful. God does provide. He's, a, he's provided abundantly in the past for me. And I know he will provide abundantly in the future for all my needs. So I challenge you to just trust and obey God at his word. He says that he'll provide if you give. So do you have a little? God can still use you. And do you have a lot? Well, God can still use you. And your giving should be according to what you have. It shouldn't be $5 if you have a million dollars. It should, it should uh, be out of the generosity of your heart. You know, give according to what you have. And God will still use you. Verse 13 says, for I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. The point of giving is not really to, to burden ourselves. Um, giving to the Lord should be out of the generosity of our hearts. God loves a cheerful giver. I'm stealing from next, the next chapter next week, but 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, So let each of you, let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And verse 14 says, but by inequality, that now at this time, your abundance may supply their lack, and that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be inequality. The goal here is equality. We, when we see others who are struggling financially, we should then, you know, with the riches that God has provided for us, we should then be willing to give to them so that we, you know, in a year or two when we are struggling financially and, you know, they're doing better off, then they can give back to us. And the goal is equality um, among the saints. Just as Christ has given generously to you, you should also give to help others in their need. So if the, if the Lord has blessed you financially, 
Do you find yourself spending money on yourself and things that bring you joy? Or do you find yourself spending money on things that bring you eternal joy? Because I can tell you the, the two or three dollars, if I just bought that Starbucks drink and drank it for myself, it'd bring me a little bit of joy spending money on myself. Um, but giving it to my coworker and making his day and creating an opportunity to then share the gospel in the future with this guy who was closed off in the past, um, that's invaluable. You can't put a price on that kind of opportunity. So if the Lord uh, has blessed you, then give. The Lord has blessed you so that you can be a blessing to others. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 to 26 says that there should be no schism in the body, that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Verse uh, 15 now says, As it is written, He who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. You're familiar with the, the story of gathering manna in the wilderness. The, the Israelites had to trust God each day for their, their daily bread. God provided faithfully, and they had to go out and collect the manna. Um, and they would gather a little if they could carry a little and were older or children, or if they were strong men, then they'd gather, they would gather a lot. And it would just be shared equally, and everybody had just the amount, amount that they needed. But the people that gathered too much and hoarded it for the next day because they didn't trust that God could provide the next day, that, that manna bred worms, and it became disgusting. It melted away, and it was all ruined. And... It's the same principle with money. It melts away. Um, when we hoard on to the material possessions that God has provided for us and don't give it, then it melts away and it, it's destroyed. You can't bring your money into heaven. It's, it has no value there. Um, you can invest your, material, uh, your money into material possessions that will fade away. Uh, or you can invest your money in heavenly treasures that will not fade away. And we see this to be true in Matthew 6, 19 to 21. It says, he commands us, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So do you, do you have a desire to be more like Christ? Where is your heart? Do you have a heart that's generous? Or do you have a selfish heart? When you see someone who's struggling, what's your first reaction? Do you, do you look at them and do you help them? And out of, you know, just the love that you have for them, or do you hesitate? Do you ignore their need? Christ had a very generous heart, and he showed this in his actions. He died on the cross for you, and he gave everything he had for you. 
do you pray that you become more and more like Christ each day? The, um, the Corinthians must have had their, their doubts about uh, Paul collecting this money. You know, it would be a, a massive gift when you think about it. You know, they've had all this time to collect and store up their resources to give to those in Jerusalem. And there's probably a, a pretty big church in, Corinthian, in Corinth and all of the other areas throughout that area. And so for Paul to collect this money, you know, it's, you kind of might be questioning, you know, Paul, well, are you, are you going to be giving this to your own pockets or are you going to be giving it to the Jerusalem people? Um, there could have been doubts in the church. But Paul, in the quick uh, next few verses, he's just saying, you know, here are some people that you can trust, and I'm going to ensure um, that these are godly, responsible men that will handle this money responsibly. Um, they can be trusted to take back the gift. 16 and 17 say, But thanks be to God, who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. The first person Titus uh, commends is Titus. The first person Paul commends is Titus. The Corinthians already knew and they loved Titus. Paul just finished telling them in chapter 7, you know, how much Titus cared for them. He says in chapter 7, 15, he says, and his affections are greater for you as he remembers the obedience of you all. How with fear and trembling you received him. Paul really, uh, he was sending Titus and Titus cared uh, the same way Paul did for the Corinthians. Titus was excited to see the Corinthians again and to accept their gift. And so he took, his, he took own initiative and went off to see them. He was willing and then he took action to collect. Verse 18 to 19 say, and, if, and we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not only that, but who is also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself and to show your ready mind. The second man here isn't named, um, but that isn't really the point. They already knew this man by his reputation. He had a reputation for the gospel, for sharing the gospel. He was famous in that way. He wasn't like a Hollywood star, you know, where he was a celebrity, but he was famous for sharing the gospel, which is such a more valuable thing. Um, and he could easily be recognized by the Corinthians as a godly man who could be trusted to collect this gift. And the church, they chose this faithful, this faithful brother to go on the journey and collect the offering uh, for the saints in Jerusalem. And why is this gift being collected in the get, again? It's, it's being collected to, to show honor to the Lord and to bring glory to him. And it's to show that we're all eager to help uh, those in need. And so Paul wants to avoid any criticism. In verse 20, he says, avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift which is administered by us. It would be very easy to think that this large gift uh, and that these men um, carrying it, that there would be possible corruption in there. Um, but he's saying, you know, we're taking all the precautions we can 
to make sure that you can trust these people carrying the gift um, and that it will be handled responsibly and actually given to them. Verse 21 says, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And he's saying, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can to make sure that this gift gets to the Jerusalem saints. And in the sight of the Lord and in the sight of men, it'll be collected. We have deacons here at Calvary and elders who oversee them. These are godly men who are responsible and trustworthy. You can trust that when you give to Calvary, that these men will seek God's uh, will first and how he wants to use the funds. They have all sorts of checks and balances that you can ask them about that ensure that the funds actually go to the will of the Lord and not to their own pockets. Um, it's wise to, to bring up responsible and trustworthy and godly men like these when giving. And trust that when you give to Calvary that you can trust these men um, to be responsible with it. Verse 22 says, And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence which we have in you. This, uh, this final brother, the third one he's sending, uh, he already has a proven record. He has a proven resume, and he has this zeal, this eagerness. He's so excited and enthusiastic to go and collect the gift with them. Um, he's one that can be trusted to collect the gift. And, you know, he, he's been so excited to go that he's, he's like stirred up other people to come, and he's confident in going. Someone who's excited and passionate stirs up others to action. Um, verse 23 says, For if anyone inquires about Titus, he's my partner and fellow co-worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Titus is Paul's partner and his co-worker. I'm glad I can call all of you here at Calvary my co-workers in Christ. You are partners in the gospel, sharing it together uh, to spread the glorious truth of God's word um, as a body. These other two brothers that are uh, going with them, they're messengers of the churches. They represent the churches and they bring honor and they bring glory to Christ. And it's such a reputation to have that these, these guys have to be considered the glory of Christ. When the Corinthians read this part of the letter, they would have been so confident that the money that they're giving would be uh, handled and distributed responsibly by these god godly and trustworthy men. And I have the same, the, uh, same trust in the, the deacons and elders here that they are godly and trustworthy men that, can be, uh, that will handle the funds correctly when you give to the Lord. Verse 24 in closing says, Therefore show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. You have told us you know, that you love and that you're willing to give um, this great gift. We were waiting expectantly that you actually give it. Um, do you have the willingness? Let's see. We wait expectantly to see the proof and the evidence of your love. You know, 
we've been boasting to the other churches in Macedonia about uh, your, your great willingness that you had, but we want you to actually prove it. You are willing to give, now actually complete the giving of it. Prove that our boasting to these other churches is true. So do you, do you love the church? Do you love the saints here uh, in the church? Do you, do you love the Lord? Do you have a willingness to give? And if you do, then give. God is very faithful and will be faithful to you in return. He gave his own son for you. You know, this is, to live the Christian life is to really let this sink deep into your hearts when you, that you realize how generous uh, Christ was to you. And it should drive you to become much more generous to others. I want to challenge you in closing with this. Malachi 3.10 says this, uh, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I know from personal uh, story this week with my coworker that I was willing to give and even though I hesitated, I still gave, and the Lord blessed it abundantly. I, I can't even contain the opportunity that I had. You know, it was so great. Um, so I want to challenge you this week, and as you continue to go out through the rest of your life, that you give like the Macedonians gave, and that you give like Christ gave. If you're willing to give, then give, and the Lord will bless you in return. He will provide for all your needs. There is no reason to doubt the Lord is faithful. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for another, another morning to come here and learn about your word, to learn how to become more and more like you. Lord, we thank you for the grace uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for us so that we could learn from his example to become more generous, more generous like him. Uh, Lord, we, we pray that throughout this week that you would give us the willing mind to give and then that we would actually go and give. So Lord, we pray uh, that we would trust you and obey in this, this aspect. We pray these things, Lord, in your name. Amen.